Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast. We are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. By sharing stories about the humanity of our sport, we're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates real-life experience from launch to cock seat at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode, a conversation with New Zealand Olympic gold medalist Eric Murray. He dominated in the men's pair with partner Hamish Bond, but his rowing journey began when he was an awkward teenage athlete. Eric discovered that being 6'5 translated into impressive erg splits, and coaches noticed. From there, he had a one-way ticket to the national team, world rowing championships, and the Olympics. He contemplated Kiwi lineups that could have been and opened up about his horrible novice season, communication in the boat, and a whole lot more. If you missed it, or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast, or ask your smart speaker to play Steady State Podcast. This episode is made possible in part by Concept2, Lake Washington Rowing Club, and our newest sponsor, Breakwater Realty in Portland, Maine. Become a sponsor for as little as $65 at steadystatenetwork.com slash sponsors. Breakwater Realty Group, located in Portland, Maine, is defined by integrity, service, and expertise. Breakwater challenges you to create a vision for your life and love where you live. Call the team at 207-712-4041 or visit breakwaterrealtygroup.com. Breakwater Realty Group, the evolution of your real estate experience starts here. When Sophie Brown wanted to learn to row, a coach asked her, why would you do this if you're disabled? Her reply was, why not? More than a decade later, a drive to find the perfect stroke has brought her two Henley wins. She'll be checking off a bucket list item when she crosses the pond to race a para mixed double at the 2022 Head of the Charles. We first met Sophie when she began working out with us during our virtual Steady State Sunday ERG workouts. She's been a lively and spirited fan of the ERG work and our podcast, and this was our opportunity to talk with her about adaptive rowing, racing, and awareness. So Rachel, I'm stoked about today's interview. Oh, you mean with Sophie Brown in London? Yeah, I mean, not only has she been a fan of the podcast and our Steady State Sundays since the beginning, it feels like, but it's a, this is a close one to my heart. I love when we interview adaptive rowers because I don't know if people know, but I'm the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, which is based here in the Pacific Northwest, but is a global organization championing inclusion in the sport of rowing and the way that we do that is we teach coaches how to do what we do and we have a training team and we try to serve the pacific northwest and the rowing community with what we know and what we've learned so i'm really excited to share a little bit of that knowledge with our audience and then have everybody meet sophie yeah i thought it was a really interesting uh conversation with her on on a couple of different levels Uh, Like you said, she's been coming to our steady state workouts online. We've seen her erging there. I think she was really excited to meet us. We were also very excited to meet her. 
I know that she listens to the episode, but I also know that she is keyed in to seize the oar and she was excited to talk to you as an adaptive coach. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff happening in this episode. One reason, one other thing that we wanted to talk with folks about kind of as a as we go into this episode is if you don't know much about adaptive rowing, but maybe have a general sense of it, you know, there are uh, different categories for rowers. There's PR1, PR2, PR3, and this is language that we talk about a bit in this episode. And Tara, I was wondering if you could give folks like a quick rundown of what those different um, certifications are. Yeah, so just like all of the Paralympics and most of adaptive sport, they like to have categories that help coaches and the rowers themselves uh, like optimize their ability. So in rowing, the categories are called PR1, PR2, and PR3. These are all listed out for you on the worldrowing.com website. You can read really, really great resource information on their website. Uh, they're the be all and end all of why these classifications exist. I want to make a side note though. The reason that we use these classifications is they are what the Olympics uses to classify people and make it fair in their mind, uh, people who are competing in the same category. Down here at the master's level where CZOR runs to help the coaches best serve uh, an athlete and ma maximize their performance. So we don't require our athletes to go through some sort of process to get classified. We just do it based on an intake. So I just want to make that clear. You don't have to be classified to be an adaptive rower. You can just row. Um, but the classifications help your coach and help you kind of know where you might um, be maximized. So PR1 is just arms and shoulders. So a PR1 athlete, you'll see sitting in a fixed seat, meaning the seat doesn't roll back and forth, and they've got straps and they typically will have pontoons or outriggers on their boat. PR2 is trunk and arms. So their chest and upper body is freed, but they are sitting on a platform and they're strapped to a platform as well. They may or may not have outrigger pontoons. PR3 is considered the old way we would call it is legs, trunk and arms. So this is any rower that can use a full function of their legs, trunk and arms, um, but just needs some other adaptation. So this might mean like Danny Hansen, who now is doing coastal rowing championships, but she has a visual impairment, or it might mean, you know, a, a variety of things. So there's a lot of adaptive rowing that happens where you may not even notice what an adaptive boat. So it's very cool that we have this whole range to work with. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I'm really, I'm, I think it's really important for people to understand that there's this whole range, whole range of adaptive athletes. Well, and the other big exciting news about Sophie Grant Brown is that the British invasion is happening and she is bringing herself and her sister uh, to the U.S. to row the head of the Charles. She's coming to the show and we can't wait to see her in person. And I'm really excited to see what she puts together to go down the river with, of course, uh, and a doubles partner that she's never met. Um, Crazy. Typical, yeah, classic, <laughs> classic Charles madness, you know, um, but we'll be supporting Sophie in her race on Saturday afternoon. We hope you'll cheer her on uh, as she goes down the course with her partner. Well, Sophie Grant Brown, hello. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. 
<laughs> I apologize for whatever comes next. <laughs> <laughs> no, this will be great. We're excited to talk with you because we met you, I don't know, sometime in the last year and a half-ish uh, online, and you started coming to our Steady State Sundays. And so we get to see you on the ERG, and we've talked about ERGing, but now we just get to, you know, shoot the shit with you about rowing. To see how I, uh, and you'll eventually get to see me row like a donkey. Um, in person <laughs> yeah we want to talk all about that because we're going to see you in boston really soon i think we are going to dive in with rapid fire yeah yeah i can live with that <laughs> she didn't okay. even need to be introduced she knew what it was she's like let's get going i love it <laughs> yeah so every episode we do rapid fire so that our listeners can get to know you better are you ready i'm ready port or starboard Neither, if I can help it. I'm usually just in a single. Sprint race or head race? Head race. Okay, do you wear a uni suit or a tank and trowel? Uni. Barefoot or shoes on the erg? Oh, shoes. <laughs> on your erg monitor, calories, watts, or splits? Splits. There's nothing else. <laughs> Best place to row? Henley, probably. I love mm. that course. Mm. Coffee before or after a row? Never. I'm terrible with caffeine. So oh. um, I turn into Tigger on acid. It's not pleasant. Um, <laughs> I just realized you told us that you were dealing with COVID for a little while. How are you feeling? Um, that, uh, that question a week ago would have been great, but I was actually in A&E, um, so like the ER yesterday, oh. having a nebulizer because, um, I've picked up a chest infection. Oh no. Yeah. That. I've been really good. I was, I was really, I've been really careful because obviously I've been trying to keep healthy until I get to the Charles, but at yeah. least now I won't have an excuse to be like, oh, I didn't taper because I didn't behave. I haven't got a choice now, have I? Yeah. Well, that's a lousy reason to have to taper. Oh, I, I feel much better than I did yesterday. And I'm Good. pretty sure that they'll get on top of it. It was just a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> I thought I was going training yesterday. Generally speaking, before you go to a big regatta, or especially when you travel to a regatta, there's sort of this yeah. like, zone where you don't like, try a new cuisine like you know something dangerous you don't yeah. decide to go to circus school you decide to all <laughs> oh, of a sudden circus school. you know all of a sudden don't you know you're not gonna go like no you know, hang gliding you know this kind of thing on uh, my old team we called it if you pulled a matt johnson that was a I bad ride. thing so matt johnson famously went unicycle riding a week and a half before the charles and broke his arm so badly in two places. He had to have like a couple of surgeries. Yeah. And we always called it doing a Matt Johnson. I'm not sure that on any level going, going and trying to ride a unicycle would seem sensible at the best of times. But yeah. a week out from the Charles is probably even worse. So Tara, you're talking about pulling a Matt Johnson and doing, doing things that you shouldn't before a regatta. And just yesterday morning at, um, I was at head of the Potomac 
And a teammate of mine shows up at 6.30, it's cold and dark and raining, and he's holding this little cup of coffee. And he says he just got it from some stranger who handed it to him off like a cart on the corner of the street. And I thought, that's super sketchy. And so Rondell looked at it and decided, probably not the best. And he probably made the right choice not to drink the stranger's coffee yesterday before the regatta. It could have been your competitors trying to bump some boats off. Oh, that is very dark. (laughs) Sabotage. I think that we should get into finding out how you got into rowing because we've seen you as an indoor rower. You always show up to our steady state Sunday virtual erg workouts. I think almost always you're like, oh, I just came from a water workout. So we know that you're really pretty intense about your training and how much you love the sport, but how did you get into it? I saw rowing on the television. I think they showed like a clip from World Championships and Tom Agar, who was one of the big PR1 rowers at the time, they showed like a tiny bit of his race. I stupidly thought, oh, that looks easy. What an idiot. Like, he might have made it look easy what on earth possessed me to think that I could make it look easy so I just I I emailed my local club told them I wanted to have a go when oh by the way I'm disabled but eventually after they realized that I wasn't going to drown because I could swim um off I went to a normal learn to row it's not the way it's done now I think they tend to try and get disabled people to go and like do them separately from the able-bodied people but at the time I didn't know any better so I just thought I'd rock up oh I love that I love that you know I teach adaptive learn to row and and uh standard I guess you know learn yeah. to row. and um it, it's such a nice it's such a better way to do it because it's all the same strokes right we're all taking the same strokes and it's nice to have the opportunity to just have everybody be there you know yeah I've always been in a position where I haven't really thought about needing to separate it so I didn't really think anything of it yeah and you found that it worked out just fine for you well I had to do two learn to row courses um but with the cerebral palsy my body doesn't always do like so I'll understand what you want me to do it just won't necessarily happen as quickly. So I need to get the pathways to know what they're doing. Repetition is always my friend. That's why I like training because then I know I've drummed it into me as hard as I can. Uh, Do you remember the first time you got on the water and, and did it match yeah, up yeah. with what, what you thought it was going to be like? Yeah, well, I met the first person that I met when I went down to the boathouse was Tony Hodgeberg and he's still my coach now and I remember he said to me but why would you do this if you're disabled and I said why not and since then he can't get rid of me so basically it's just a freedom that I don't get when I walk or when I'm trying to do stuff on land because I've got more function in a boat or in water than I have on land although I do remember the first week after of learn to row I didn't know whether to sit up stand up lay down everything hurt 
because my back was just like, what are you doing to me? And that's with everybody. You get in a boat for the first time and it's such a unique action and you're turning on all these muscles that you don't normally use. Your body's like, what are you, what are you doing to me? Yeah, I, I feel like it kind of wanted me to just like leave it the hell of a, hell alone. I mean, everyone else found it hilarious. And I was just like, please don't. Like, this is not as funny as you think it is. <laughs> when I've uh, done a new rower in our adaptive program, sometimes yeah. they row uh, legs, trunk and arms, and then they maybe are, or, or we know right away that they're a trunk and arms rower, or we say, oh, okay, let's do an assessment. And they might be an arms and shoulders PR1 rower. So yeah. did you have to go through that process to sort of figure out which worked um, the best I, for you? So because I had come from disabled sport, I had a rough idea that because I can't use my legs when I swim, that I wouldn't be able to use them in a boat. But it was a lot of like trying, like, because I walk with crutches and I was the first um, adaptive rower that they had at, at my club. I was a bit of a unknown quantity. And I probably wasn't the easiest person for them to have because it wasn't as if I was coming in as a spinal injury where it's pretty obvious. Mm. Um, but yeah, the cerebral palsy just affects my legs more. The weakness is just there. It was just a bit of trial and error really. But I mean, I went out in like the plastic learn to row boats and just locked my knees out. And we did that until we managed to get an adaptive boat that I could use because obviously they hadn't got one in the fleet. I've talked a lot with um, our rowers who use wheelchairs or use crutches or mobility devices and self-propulsion, like you were just talking about, being able to propel yourself through space and through water um, can be very, uh, have a real freeing element to it. It really feels like your scope is a lot larger in terms of I can move, you know, miles on water. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because especially like, now as my ability to physically move myself around decreases being able to get out in the water gives me more freedom than I would have normally so that really helps so it's a complication of birth um I'm an identical twin and you will have the joy of meeting Elizabeth as well <laughs> but um we had a lack of blood and oxygen to the brain when we were born so um We've seen paediatricians um, since we were born and um, had a series of complications. Cerebral palsy doesn't affect two people the same. So mm. even though we're twins, our CP affects us differently. So I, I asked that, I guess I was curious, uh, like how it has determined the, the sports and activities that you've been involved in and how it's affected, like you started talking about how you've become a little less mobile and you have a little less control over your body. Yeah. But that, as that happens, you're finding that rowing is really great for you to find that freedom and mobility. Yeah, um, yeah for, for me, although it's, it's not meant to deteriorate, cerebral palsy doesn't like the aging process. So everything kind of gets stiffer. So for me, I've always used sport to try and stay as mobile as possible. Um, we had a paediatrician when we were, I think I must have been about 11, when he said that whatever disability I'd got, it would never stop us doing anything. And 
it's when you get people like that and it and it kind of has made me think you know well what if I'm the way I'm meant to be and everyone else is wrong I won't think of my disability in a negative sense it's the inaccessibility of situations that I get frustrated with not my ability to cope with them if that makes any Mm. sense absolutely I love that philosophy I felt sorry for my our parents to be honest because at one stage they had us both competing in swimming in different classifications but it didn't stop us swimming over the top of each other during training because we wanted to beat each other so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you're competitive yeah like this is what you're saying (laughs) yeah and really really stubborn if someone tells me I can't do something I do it twice and take a picture um (laughs) so have have you always been competitive Uh, like when you found sport or when you found uh found that you could be successful in swimming and and then in rowing I mean does it really feed your competitive spirit I would say that um that people would say that I wasn't always competitive I went through a stage when I couldn't win anything at swimming so I decided that I wasn't going to train very hard and would just muck about and then I won a couple of races and then I got (laughs) super competitive so basically I am just driven by the shiny medals it's just I am that shallow (laughs) (laughs) well we all like to have them they're fun to have I've got a couple hanging behind me yeah (laughs) well the reason I ask is because we interview a lot of uh older athletes or adult athletes who didn't really tap into their competitive spirit and their athleticism until later in life and and you know maybe they just sort of as you said mucked about but so we've talked to a lot of people who when they hooked into rowing for some reason rowing really just like shot that out of a cannon and just made them feel um because there's always like times to beat and courses to try and just feels there's something about it I don't know if you can talk about I feel like um I really like it because I'm outdoors uh, like I prefer training outdoors and it doesn't matter how good you get at it. It's the most infuriating sport in the world. You're never good enough. So in that way, you can't get bored with it, can you? I love that perspective. I, I, I'm a longtime rower and so is, is Rachel. And um, there is something about embracing the suck, embracing yeah. the journey, you know, however you want to characterize it. And, and, you know, interestingly, I play golf also, and it's a lot like golf. Like you could literally be like brilliant in your own mind, one stroke, and then <laughs> five Everything hours, yeah. every five hours of awful, you know, and it's such a head game. And there's so many different ways of teaching people how to embrace that. And sometimes people just can't get it. And sometimes people love it. So. I, think, I think it genuinely is a, it's a personality type. Like, I sometimes think that I, I just like suffering um, <laughs> in the sense that you're chasing something that you're never actually really going to achieve. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. The other thing is possibly you may not achieve, let's say, the perfect stroke or you may not achieve that gold medal. But what we are achieving every single time we get to the boathouse and every time we get in the boat is 
working to better ourselves as rowers and all that comes with that. See, I, I consider myself as, I, I mean, I'm not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination. I, I'm not a natural athlete, I should say, in the sense that I'm not good at sport. I'm just good at showing up and to keep like doing it again and again until I get better. I naturally have never tried something and thought this is me. I've always had to work at it because my body will never necessarily give me the opportunity to know straight away that I'm good at something. Mm. So I've never been in a position where I think, oh, I'm not going to do something because I might be rubbish at it. Because nine times out of 10, my body's not going to let me be good at it first off anyway. So I may as well just try. And I love that. Sure. Why not? Let's try it. Uh, approach to rowing. I, I encourage a lot of people <laughs> to do it. And it's kind of a sport that, that can go that way because you can get off the water in it. And a, and a coach or a fellow teammate will impart some advice. And that was my next question for you was, has anyone along the way from the rowing community given you a piece of advice that really just kept propelling you forward or kept you showing up? Yes, I think, um, as, I mean, you'll probably know this more than most, but I think within adapt, especially adaptive rowing, it's more about the people because you can always get money for equipment but if the people aren't there to support, you need more of a support network than you would necessarily with able-bodied rowing. Mm -hmm. So the people that I've met along the way to be able to compete and I've had to rely on to help me, those are the people that, you know, I, I mean, let's be honest, if it wasn't for Tony Hodgeberg, who, who didn't mind that I was disabled and just taught me like any other learn to row, athlete it don't it wouldn't matter if I went on to do something better I wouldn't be able to row if it wasn't for him so mm. you've always got to maintain that gratitude and if he's put the time in then the least I can keep doing is showing up yeah you're right it, adaptive sport just requires human resources and sometimes it's really tough because as especially as a disabled woman and and growing up able-bodied schools and everything and going to uni the same as everyone else you're very much taught that you need to be self-reliant so sometimes accepting that help is really tough that was the biggest thing for me to get my head around that I had to accept help in order to be able to access it Steady State Podcast is made possible with listener support. Today, we're sending a big thank you to our newest Patreon crew members, Stephanie M. and ZS. If you want to join our lineup, find out about our Patreon support levels and benefits at patreon.com slash steadystatenetwork. Do you remember rowing with wooden oars or making blades? Concept2 brings over 45 years of innovation to the sport of rowing. Their newest comp blade is a smaller size blade that feels lightweight, efficient, and stable. Unlock speed with a comp blade, available in both sweep and skull. Find out more at concept2.com comp. And for folks out west, Lake Washington Rowing Club is full steam ahead organizing the 43rd Head of the Lake Regatta. Set to take place in Seattle on Sunday, November 6th, 
2022. It's the last big head race of the season. LWRC hopes to see you there. For more information, visit headofthelake.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. In two, we're back with Sophie Grant Brown. That's one, two. So here in the U.S., and Tarrant would know even more about this than me, but from my perspective, I think that adaptive rowing is growing slowly here in yeah. the United States. What do you see happening where you are? So I started to row in 2009, maybe 2010, and there was very few of us. It definitely has grown significantly but it's also very disjointed so there's pockets of of athletes across the country and it isn't always easy to get them together but it definitely is growing the problem is is there's so many different sporting opportunities for people with disabilities now Mm -hmm. that I think you really have to do a lot to stand out and it isn't enough to say we offer it you have to be inclusive and and want them to be there because if you just say oh well you can do it if you want that's not going to get people in is it and not just you can be here if you want it's we the boathouse we the coaches are going to create an environment where this is that where this works for you you know yeah yeah, yeah. i know with um with seize the or foundation we took quite a hit with covid covid has been really hard to bounce back from in terms of uh we lost a few athletes to other sports fantastic love that everybody's active everybody's involved in something and everybody feels their their community but we've had a hard time kind of getting the engine going we are the only program in the entire pacific northwest at this point and that's a huge area and a huge rowing community so i can imagine being in a place where there's lots of clubs and not a lot of opportunities would feel frustrating for a, a, a disabled athlete looking for an opportunity. I've found that I have to race able-bodied a lot to be able to get um, an yeah. opportunity to race. But honestly, you have to take a very philosophical view on it because you know you're coming last. Hmm. And sometimes that's harder to take than others. Yeah, one of the things that we worked out uh, at Seize the Or over about three years time yeah. was, was a test run of integrated racing and stagger times because it was it was essentially the equivalent of the age handicap that happens. Oh yeah, yeah. The Marshall Yeah, so one. you would you would sort of take off that time. I don't know how that works out for head racing. We literally would just use has racing for a time trial and yeah. we just say beat beat your best time, you know, in sort of comparable conditions. But for the sprint racing, we actually do integrated racing where it's a 90 second head start and then everybody ends up at the finish line at the same time, which is really yeah. Uh, fun. So it's a real barn burner, you know, it's really like racing. It's really fun. So psychologically the master's rower who's not disabled says, I have a rabbit to go catch. And yeah. the disabled rower says, come and beat me. And then though it's nice is that the marshals and all of the officials can do their jobs safely and everybody gets to the finish line at the same and, time. And you know where they're all going to be, don't you? Yes, that exactly. Way. 
Yeah. And I think that's really hard when you, you all go off the start line at the same time in a sprint race, for instance, and the marshal has to stay back with the slowest boat, no matter who that is, just in yes. case, in case of capsize or in case of other things happening. And I don't think that feels very good. We also had the issue out here in the Northwest of not having anyone to compete against, which I think you also relate yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. You don't have anybody to compete against, so you you need to make it work, right? Yeah, I mean, I like um, I think the first national championship I did in 2010, I think it was, um, I raced a PR2 man. He was 6'3". I'm only 5'3". And he was he was very good. And I really wasn't. I mean, this is something about adaptive rowing that in time, I hope as more people get involved, there will be enough athletes to start separating out the categories because it makes zero sense for you to be going up against a six foot three man. And we see this kind of across the board in all the different categories. I mean, to be honest, he's lovely, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, the, there was no doubt who was going to win when you all gather as a as a adaptive rowing community who are your peers that you compete with and that you train with or that you use as to be honest that see I mean what you were saying about covid we've had the same problem over here it's become quite disjointed and uh, I haven't really been that involved with um the adaptive racing um just because um I lost my dad during the pandemic and he was the person that used to take my boat everywhere. Mm. And um, how I access the sport has had to change a lot because he was, he was sort of the one that knew how to put the boat together, could transport it places. And mm. it just meant that we could go wherever the adaptive racing was. Whereas now I've kind of, I, I can't do that as much. So you have your own um, no no it belongs to the club but they but instead of going to the races that they were going to and I could just go to the ones that oh gotcha that, um yeah gotcha gotcha yeah and so when you know when you hear names like Lauren Rolls and Stephen Dowd and are these folks that you have yeah met yeah no I've, I've I've raced against them oh great um, yeah because Lauren's been in the scene quite a long time um and then, like, um, obviously, her partner Lawrence was the one of the first people that I raced against. We'd like to meet Lauren, and we've had Stephen Dowd on the show, and um, we've—I know I, I personally would love to interview Lauren. She's she's quite a character. I follow her on on social media, and um, she's a lot of fun. Is there anyone that you, uh, if you rode a double, is there anyone you would uh, kind of dream about rowing a double with from any part of the rowing community? To be honest, um. No, I'm happy. To, I'd be happy to row with anyone that would be happy to go in the bow so I didn't have to steer. I tried doing a, a, a mixed category with a PR3 with my friend Ben and we um, we bickered all the way up to the start and didn't kill each other on the way back down. So we were fine. <laughs> what is it about the single that you like? Is that your preferred boat? Um, no, I just think that it's probably the one that's the like the least the least that I have to rely on other people. Mm. Also, it's just the fact that there just isn't the people around to be able to double with. Although having said that, there's a 
head race um, over here that you can do on the Thames, which is the Pears Head. And um, I've done that in a mixed, able-bodied, disability pair, a uh, double. Like, I really want to try a pair, but no one wants to try a pair with me. Um, oh, I would. <laughs> oh, would you? Oh, yeah. I'll, I love the pair. <laughs> yeah. So I did that with my friend Becky, uh, but we just entered able-bodied and didn't tell anyone. And then when we were racing up to the start, they thought we were doing drills on the way up because I wasn't using my legs. Yeah, you're doing a pick drill. You're doing a yeah. pause drill. <laughs> it was like, can you please just use your legs? You need to go. And I was just like, this is it, mate. This is, I, I can't yeah. do anything else. Oh, that's great. We had a, we had a PR uh, three rower who could do most of the race in the double. He stroked yeah. it. He could do most of the race with his legs, but he was a, a pretty high level um, quadriplegic, actually. Yeah. So we decided that he would do 20 strokes on, 20 strokes off, 20 on, 20 off. And I would just row the whole, you know, the whole time, you know, and he would oh, just take a break. And, and he, and then, at, but we didn't tell anyone in the race officials who he was or that he was an adaptive rower. And there was EMS at the finish line because they thought he was like, critically injured in some way <laughs> they, there was an ambulance waiting and I was like, oh. like oh my god no so he, he was very cheeky and and he said his goal for all races after that was to not have first aid waiting for him <laughs> I've gone to some races where they've had um uh St John's ambulance which is like their first aiders um at the like for us to boat and it's just like we haven't even done anything yet why do we need first aid at the start <laughs> we haven't even gotten there you have to explain a lot of stuff to it's it's not well known about in the rowing community so uh, you can't really you can't really have a go at them they just don't know any better <laughs> yeah I've done a lot with CCR where we have had tried to form really close relationships with race officials and local organizing committees and referees and, and not make it this like big spectacular deal, but we submit like a letter that just says, here's the event number and here's their name and here's, and here's what accommodations we're providing. And, and just, that's it. Don't do anything. You don't have to do anything. Just understand. And we know that that information doesn't get conveyed throughout the whole crew at a yeah. And we just have to have a lot of patience. And sometimes they'll let me go out as, as head coach um, out in a launch boat and just make sure that not the, yeah, the athletes are okay because the athletes are fine. They're just like, we just want to race. But to make sure that there's no disruption with the yeah, Like just, I, you know. I learned pretty early that it paid to boat early because yeah. people would stop you and ask you about the boat because you'd still got floats on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and always so, but there's always this opportunity for education. But I think one of the things our athletes always struggled with was just because I'm an adaptive rower doesn't mean I have to explain adaptive rowing to you. Like I'm not this ambassador of I just want to race, right? Yeah, like nine times out of ten, I'm fine with it. It's just sometimes you're at the point where you're just like, I'm not here to teach you. I just want to get on with it. And I do feel sorry for whoever catches me on that day. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a great time to ask you about something really big that's going to be happening for you very, very soon. We're so Woo! excited that you told us that you are going to head of the Charles this year. I Woo! am indeed. So this is huge, right? This is going to be your first time doing it. Yeah, so um, I had talked about doing it um, and the plan was always to do it. A couple of uh, my friends from Marlow have done it, have come to the Charles and they've done it. And they've said that the way that they treat the adaptive athletes is incredible. So it's always nice to go somewhere where you're actually wanted. It's true. They're very aware of it being a really fun event and really competitive event. So what event are you doing? What's the event called? Yeah, so I've managed to find a PR2 partner. So, um, yeah, I get to try and go for a medal. And have you met this person yet that you're going to be rowing with? No. <laughs> okay. You haven't had well, a Zoom meeting or anything yet? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm yet to even know what his name is yet. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? That makes as long uh, as the blades go in, blades come out, you're going to have a great time. It was that yeah. moment when you were, I kind of thought, oh, but I don't even know what's wrong with him. And I know that sounds terrible, but. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that would be important to know. Yeah, yeah. like spinal yeah. injury, legs. I don't care, right. but I'd just like to know. Right. Yeah, well, you have the right to ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? Well. I'm not sure what I thought it was going to be like, but I've seen an aerial view of it now and I didn't realise it was quite so big. So now I'm just like, wow, what have I actually signed myself up for? But I think it's just the idea of being able to, like, I'm really looking forward to just being able to race and not have to worry about steering, which I know is really selfish. But I'll take it. Yeah. Well, this is a very heavy steering race. It's an obstacle course, if you will. It's a lot of uh, straightaways with some fun turns and going under bridges. And make sure when you go under a bridge that you at least one of the bridges you go whoop 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 because it yeah. like echoes. <laughs> the echo just echo. awesome. <laughs> at you. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel and I are going to go down uh, on Sunday afternoon. So we're excited to cheer you on. We're excited to see you there um is there any other races that you're doing to get ready so um there's there's no head races that I can do before um before the Charles they just there wasn't any that kind of worked so I I haven't actually really raced for about six months but I, the thing is as soon as you put me on the water to race that's it I don't I never forget it I just kind of get blinkers on and decide that I want to go as quick as possible. Well, I think you're really going to love it. It's it's like rowing through a stadium with the people cheering and standing on the bridges and along the shoreline. And then there are these very long, quiet areas where you get to sort of regroup and then yeah. you go up into the gray again. And it's just, it's the Super Bowl for us of, of well, rowing. It's really fun my sister's really looking forward to being able to stand on a bridge and tell me to row faster you spastic because she's done that before (laughs) (laughs) what's your sister's name elizabeth Elizabeth. yeah we'll be on the lookout (laughs) yeah no you'll hear her um no (laughs) she she was 
but I think when she did it, the, when she did it before, she um she'd just come from work, so she was in her um her vicar collar. So yeah, I think they thought she was mad. <laughs> <laughs> she's a vicar. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's a vicar. <laughs> well, the thing about the Charles, and I'm sure you've heard this, but it is just overwhelming in a in a good way. If you have been to regattas. Maybe it's different in the UK, but here you go to regattas and there are a couple people on shore who are like maybe somebody's mom or a partner. You know, you might hear somebody clapping or like a couple people yelling, but it is just overwhelming the number of people that are in Boston and along the Charles. You get kind of chills up and down your spine because you're involved in this such a big event. And uh, yeah, there are five bridges to go under. So even if you miss your sister, there are going to be other people, so <laughs> many other people that yeah. you're going to hear cheering from the bridges. It's amazing. It's really, really I'm not even sure that she will stay, stay around for, for the race. Where I think she'll, I'll just find her in a coffee shop somewhere else. Oh, well, <laughs> right, or the pub. I would love to connect right. with her. You know, Tara and I are yeah. going to be up and down the course that, that day, so we'd love to maybe try and connect with her for your event, and uh, we'll give you a shout from. Yeah, from it's it, it's a really fun day, and Rachel and I will be out there cheering very loudly for you. Rachel's bringing her cowbells, and we'll have uh, some some raucous way and we'll try to make you we'll try to make you smile try to make you laugh well <laughs> Lisa was just like I need to take a megaphone I was like you bloody don't need to take a megaphone so what else is on your rowing bucket list are there other places you'd like to go or other events you'd like to participate in um, yeah so um I would really like um to be able to do Henley again because they haven't been able to put on the adaptive for quite a few years for the PR2 classification, um, just because I love rowing there. I'd really like to be able to do the Sculler's Head, but I don't think at this point they let adaptives on. Um, so it's an event on the Tideway, like the Thames, and um, it's just all singles. I'm not sure they let adaptives do it yet, but I would mm -hmm. really like to do that one. Because the thing is, is it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Well, if my legs worked, they wouldn't know any better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the fact that they just don't let you do it. They won't let the adapt uh, the adapters on the course. That's um, ridiculous. I mean, we we always contact the organizers, and and the trick is entering an event that um, you won't get overrun, right? Yeah. So we, we always contact them and say, you know, because there's flights. There's like 10 events and then there's a break and then there's like 10 events and a break. And we always try to get at the end of the first flight where the last event at the end of the first flight, because then we can just be on the water and there's no one coming up behind us. Yeah. You know? And you're not, you're not waiting to be a sitting duck basically, are you? Exactly. But yeah. Over here, we get to do this event where the like Scotland, Ireland, Wales and England compete against each other pretty early on. They made that um have adaptive categories those are quite good because you get to row in different parts of the country um thing well i love talking to you we just enjoyed having you part of the city state family and we just feel like you've been with us the whole way which has just been so sweet well i i think um the pandemic definitely made us have to train differently didn't it and you're we know you're 
definitely part of our community and part of our family. Oh, and- I could never do 60 minutes ergs before. COVID definitely changed how I had to row. Because before, if you'd said 60 minute ergs to me, I would be like, no, yeah. just not happening. That actually was the case for many of our fans who joined us for Steady State Sundays. I think almost every week we had someone who said, I never thought I could row 60 minutes continuously, you know, but I came from the school of like hour long ergs is fun, you know, (laughs) for me. (laughs) Yeah. This summer, we haven't been running those sessions because truthfully here in the U.S., it's like the meat of our sprint and head race seasons. And people are busy. People are back to rowing with their clubs and people are busy racing on weekends. So we decided to put it on hold. But I think, Tara, we're going to be bringing it back later this fall, early winter for our Steady State Sundays. And looking forward to reconnecting with folks who had been joining us before. And now that we've met Mr. Eric Murray, maybe we can get him to come and do an hour of power with us. Did you find go? Oh, big time. Big time. He is, he is amazing. He he was really wonderful to talk to. He was very easy to talk to. He had all sorts of things to say about very colorful going related. <laughs> See, Story. I'm gonna tell you this and you'll probably find it hilarious. Huh. But um I I'm really bad at knowing who the able-bodied rowers are. Uh-huh. So there's a project here that's um London Youth Rowing. And it's run by an ex-Olympian. And I didn't know who he was. Uh-huh. So he said, Andy Trig, Trig Hodge. Oh, and he yeah, said, Andy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and like, we were having a Zoom call. And he, he said he'd, he'd, won, he'd won these gold medals. And I went, oh, that's nice. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I Googled him afterwards. And I was like, oh, my God, why didn't no one tell me? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, you, just be glad you didn't ask him, like, so have you ever won a race? You know, there's something silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's one of those things that I think if they haven't got bits missing or something wrong with them, it doesn't come into my consciousness. For you, adaptive rowing, like, that's your rowing universe right now. And that's totally fine. You know, what I see at the master's level is that master's rowers which is kind of where I am and who I coach, they kind of know, kind of know about masters rowing, right? They know about the yeah. masters clubs in their area, but not everyone looks bigger than that, you know? So like I told a couple of people that Tara and I had interviewed Eric Murray and they were like, who? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm not quite that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, he's legend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had to explain it to a few people yesterday too at the regatta. I'm like, no, you know, that the Kiwi pair, you know, it's so- a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. But anyway, well, how much coverage do you actually get like for the Olympics in the Paralympics out there? A lot. Like, when it's on. A lot, actually. Just this last round. Uh, NBC, our big NBC affiliate, yeah. uh, they broadcast it just the same as the Olympics. It was just the same um, because they hype it up. You know, there's a lot of marketing that goes along with that. But that's oh, new. Good. I think that's new in that's the last new. couple of Olympic cycles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think it's been in the regular rotation. Um, a lot of people I know watched it live stream, you know, watched it online. Yeah. They found their event and watched it online. But you know, See, it's that's a, the problem. I don't want to watch just one. I want to watch the lot. Like, yeah. Well, 
You'll have to get a ticket and come to LA 2028. And um, we're going to, I know Rachel and I are going to try and uh, be there. At least I think we are. Commentators at LA 2028. Yeah. You're like, I, I want a job. Um, no, because when 2012 came, um, I just got, I got tickets for everything just to go and see stuff that I would never have seen. Even stuff like fencing. I was just like, oh, well, they there's tickets i'll go to yeah them. yeah yeah it's very exciting i i love i have never been to an olympics and i i regret not going to the one when it was in vancouver canada right above us maybe three or four yeah. hours away. i really i don't know why i didn't do it so la 2020 is going to be on on my radar well sophie this has been so fun and so great to meet you and get to know more about you and we can't wait to meet you in person yeah no i'm looking forward to it too, as well um, just fingers crossed with the training and uh, I think one of the best things is going to be actually knowing that you're real like actually seeing you in person because I've only ever seen you on a screen we can't wait to just like put a some punctuation on the end of this sentence and I'm pretty sure it's going to be an exclamation point uh when we meet Sophie Grant Brown because we're <laughs> we're huge fans of you so thank you for all your support yeah 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 it'll be great all right. Well, we will see you in Boston then. Yep. See you soon. Bye, see Sophie. You soon. Bye. Tara, that was a really awesome conversation with Sophie. I cannot wait to meet her in Boston because we are going for the first Woo! time in Steady State Network. We're going to go to Head of the Charles. We want to know who else is going to be there. If you'll be there, drop us a note. You know how to find us on socials, through the website, emails, whatever it is. Let us know if you're going to be there. We want to know what event you're racing in, who you're racing with, and we're going to do our very best to cheer from you from shore for you. Yeah, we're going to be up and down the course, and I think we've got some new gear that we're going to be wearing, so it would be pretty obvious who we are. That's the I goal. Can't wait. I can't wait. No. Hopefully it shows up in time. Yeah, hopefully it shows up in time, uh, but you'll be looking out for Steady State at the Regatta and a couple places on the course you might find us will be the Concept 2 tent, who's a sponsor of the podcast, at, or the Wintech tent, uh, which is a sponsor of the boat that we're rowing on Sunday. So Rachel and I are also racing. We're not just there to watch and sit back in our lawn chairs. We are there to race and we're there to cheer you on. Uh, so we're going to be broadcasting all weekend. If you are stuck at home or couldn't make it to the Charles this year, consider us your armchair uh, commentators. <laughs> you know, we're going to help you be an like, what do they call it? Armchair quarterback. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, sharing the live stream uh, from our perspective. Of course, there's a legit live stream happening the entire time, but tune into Steady State. We're going to be doing our coffee chats from the Charles. We're going to be doing random Instagram lives. And I'm hoping just some fun conversations with people all along the sidewalks. You know, it's mayhem. It's really fun. So many, so many people. I, I'm looking forward to that bit of it. So we're hoping to do a coffee chat Friday morning, either from Concept Tour or Wintech Tents, another coffee chat Saturday morning from one of those two tents. And then Saturday, we have the entire day to wander up and down the course and Last year, when you and I went to Masters Nationals, you 
blew me away with just how social you are with everybody. I think I'm a pretty outgoing person, but you are literally talking to everyone. So with that in mind, if you spot us, we will talk with you on the Charles and find us. We've got stickers to give out. (laughs) So many stickers. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I'll talk to anybody. And I do happen to know a lot of people from a lot of different clubs and and yeah. just because, you know, been, been doing it for a long time, been chatty for a long time, probably more yeah. like, um, but we would love to talk to you. So don't be shy, come up and talk to us. Um, and if you have somebody great that you're like, Hey, you got to go meet this great person and have them on your podcast, please make some introductions for us. We would love to meet all the amazing people that make your rowing world fantastic. Like that is really the heart of say state network. And I feel like we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to see like all of it, all of it there. So we're happy to represent. So excited. Can't wait to see you again, Tara. I haven't seen you face to face in a few months. So it's going to be awesome to catch up. Yeah. And uh, I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my cowbells and I'll be on shore all day on Saturday with you cheering. So it should be an amazing day. Heck yes. All right, all. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, this chat with Sophie Brown, and we will see you in Boston. Have a good one, everyone. See ya. To see photos of Sophie and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Coming up next on Steady State Podcast, we go behind one of the biggest names in boats to talk with Brent Cook, Marketing Director for Wintech and King Racing Shells. Brent is a self-described chatty Cathy, and I think we met our chatting match. He fell in love with rowing when he was just 13 and looking for a direction in his life. Rowing helped get Brent his first job and introduced him to the woman who had become his wife. Today, his personal and professional philosophy is all about getting people on the water and introducing them to the lessons that only rowing can offer. Hey Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Right, we should tell them about Friday mornings when we get together for coffee chat. We talk about rowing, racing, technique, but we also deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership. Yeah, I really look forward to those Friday morning chats with you and our listeners. So we hope that you'll join us Friday mornings at 8 a.m. West, 11 East on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have nearly 40 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience, and we run successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, which champions inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, designing unique rowing gear for individuals, clubs, and events. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and RowSource. Steady State Podcast is a production of Steady State Network. This episode was written, produced, and edited by Tara and Rachel. Rachel also manages our website and social media. Our theme music is by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. Steady State Podcast celebrates real-life experience from launch to cock seat at every level. Search the archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics or listen on your favorite podcast app. 
visit studystatenetwork.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. In two, way enough. That's one, two, way enough.